you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Christian tradition holds that uh, John the Evangelist was also the beloved disciple mentioned in this text today, the, the one whom Jesus also loved. And tradition holds that he is the author of the fourth gospel. I love that he gets this little jab in there. The beloved one ran to the tomb faster than Peter. Like, I, I'm going to put in there that I'm a better runner. This is the key moment takeaway here. Um, we can all be a little petty sometimes. So uh, before, we, before we dive into the text, would you pray with me? Uh, holy and loving God, uh, as we gather uh, to celebrate your resurrection, your spirit has drawn us in and has spoken a word to us. Uh, give us eyes to, eat, to see, ears to hear, and hearts uh, to follow wherever you would send us. Lord, uh, may we hear afresh from you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lent 2020 started like any other Lent. We gathered uh, for Ash Wednesday and uh, we imposed them uh, on forehead saying ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Saying uh, repent and believe. We entered into a season of penitence and preparation uh, diving into these uh, great texts that were going to challenge us and gathering for Wednesday evening Lenten lectures on the means of grace to, to begin to understand how they might uh, shape and form us in Lent. And then the Lent that would never end seemed to change overnight. And we began to get clear pictures of uh, this outbreak happening in parts of Asia and parts of Europe that was uh, a few cases here and a few cases there in America. We uh, gathered one Sunday knowing we should be a little more careful. Let's bump elbows and let's use the little prepackaged communion instead of sharing the common cup. We made plans for Easter Sunday. We we're going to have food trucks in the parking lot. We we're going to have a coffee vendor and an egg hunt. And we ordered postcards and all this grand stuff. And then the governor said, please don't worship. For two weeks, please don't gather in your buildings. Let us, let's get a sense of what is going on. And so we stopped. And before those two weeks were up, the CDC, the NIH, the governor, our bishop, our district superintendent had all said, it is not safe to get back together. We, we don't know enough. We don't have answers. There, there are uh, too many variables. It's not safe. Please don't meet. And so we pivoted. We began to worship virtually. We, we combined with downtown for a couple weeks and literally in a matter of a week outfitted the building for live streaming. We uh, wrestled with what does it look like to, get to, to preach to a camera, to sing with uh, just Savannah. I love having some men in the room today because uh, Savannah's voice is beautiful, but she is up there. And when I try to, to sing with her, it gets real scratchy. Uh, <laughs> so hit, having some men hit those notes today was really good. Um, we, we asked, how do we do this? when we don't have an endpoint, when we don't know uh, what the future holds. How, how do we do this when gathering in the flesh is central to who we are? 
From Easter morning on, the church was a gathered people, the fellowship, the way. And yet knowing that gathering very likely could kill some of us. And so we, we decided we're going to be faithful to what our religious and ecclesiastical authorities ask us to do insofar as it is not harmful or dangerous. How do we build community? How do we worship faithfully? How do we uh, do congregational care when we can't get together? How do we uh, care for those in the hospital when we're not allowed to go in? How do we bury the folks who die when we can't have more than eight in a funeral home? It was the Lent that felt like it never ended. Uh, early in that time said, if we have to, to meet in the field, we're getting together in Easter. And they asked us not to even meet outside. Surely this will be better by the fall. Surely by Advent, things will be better. Surely by Christmas, things will be right. We began to grow used to masks and distancing. I, I watched TV with my son who's six years old and he is shocked by scenes of crowds and asked where their masks are. It, it's funny, but it's also it's heartbreaking. We watch our kids uh, have a year of school that is not fair to them. Watch so many things get uh, kind of pushed aside that are vital life experiences and is unfair. We've had people die in the hospital alone and it's not fair. We've not been able to celebrate people the way that we want to celebrate people and it has not been fair. And yet somehow, for more than a year, we've also held out hope. That as things do not seem right, as things are wrong, as they are scary and terrifying and knowing that no decision will make people happy, we had hope. Hope that the same God who took on flesh, the same God who died for our sins, the same God who rose, the same God who poured out his spirit would do something. We prayed big prayers for miracles in this pandemic God and he didn't. We prayed, draw near to us and sustain us. Bring good out of the bad. And he did. We met in Zoom rooms. We used video lectures through the computers. We worshiped on Vimeo and Facebook. We had 35 women join covenant groups that they were never part of. Somehow the men didn't sign up for covenant groups this year. We're going to work on that part. But the women signed up for covenant groups in force and have now found these deep relationships that are sustaining them through the muck and the mire. Our Sunday schools for, for a good part of this pandemic have had their best attendance we've ever had. And yet it has felt like the Lent that never ends. The Psalms lament, don't hold back with God. Where are you? What are you doing? How are these enemies attacking me? My life feels like vapor. 
But in all except one case, they turn and say, even though I can't see you, even though I don't understand, you will be praised because we know that you're good. And for so many of us, the Psalms lament have been our voice this year. Where are you, God? But we know that you're faithful and you'll be praised. We've prayed for miracles and we've seen some miracles this year and we've prayed for things and felt like we got no answer. But we kept turning to the incarnate, dying and rising Christ for hope. That's a messy hope. It's a messy hope rooted in this Easter story. Hallmark and Cadbury make Easter very uh, pastel and lovely, but Easter in the Gospels is scary and uh, disorienting and hard to swallow. In every gospel account, the women are the first ones who go. They are the faithful ones who go to the tomb to tend to Jesus. They are the ones who show up in account after account. And in John's account, it's Mary Magdalene. She's in every one of them. And here she shows up to the tomb and finds that the stone has been rolled away. Her Easter morning did not start with uh, Reese's Cups and coloring books. It started with great despair. They've taken our Lord. Where is he? She goes to get uh, John the Beloved and Peter. They come and they see that the tomb is empty. And they go back to where they were staying, the text says. But Mary, Mary doesn't accept that this is the end. And so she sits in her anguish and weeps. She stays by the tomb looking for answers. She mourns and she cries and she looks to the empty tomb and finds angels. If I looked in the tomb and saw two angels, I believe I would feel some feelings. John's Mary does not bat an eye at saying they have taken our Lord. What is going on? And the angels assure her. She goes into the, into the garden and this uh, person that she mistakes for the gardener goes and says, why are you crying? They've, they've taken my Lord. And this person says, Mary. When Jesus names her, her eyes are opened to his presence. Rabboni, teacher. Jesus has said Mary a thousand times in their ministry together in this journey they've done. Day after day, he's been like, Mary, come on, Mary. And this morning, her name opens her eyes. This word from Christ begins to give her hope. Jesus tells her what is at foot and then sends her on mission. She's the first one sent out. She is the first evangelist. Before Paul went and had his good mission journeys, before Peter did his Acts 2 sermon, Mary went and gospeled. She went and told the good news. Mary begins this great tradition. Our, our faith has had of women being right at the forefront of announcing that our Lord is risen. Uh, Paul from prison writes his magnum opus of Romans and then entrusts it to Phoebe. Take this from house church to house church. Read my letter to them and then answer their questions. Interpret this text for them and explain how Jew and Gentile are now united in Christ. Uh, some tradition holds that Phoebe is the author of the book that we now call Hebrews. The martyrs stand 
uh, firm in uh, their faith, and so many of them are women facing the gladiators and the lions. For every Cappadocian father, there's a Cappadocian mother. For every uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, there's a St. Teresa of Avila. For every Benedict of Nursia, there is a Catherine of Siena. For every Charles Wesley, there's a Fanny Crosby. For every Chad, there's a Sarah. We, we still knock, knock up against patriarchy sometimes, but our tradition, more than any others, has entrusted women to lead out front with the gospel message that the Lord is risen. You know, Al Gwynn uh, had talked to a group of ours uh, in the church about his time at Centenary back uh, a couple decades ago, and and. Uh, what he credited the thriving at that time for. Centenary uh, grew gangbusters in that season, and he uh, very humbly said it had nothing to do with him. There's a group of women led by Margaret Thurgolson who burst down that doors every Friday and prayed for that church. And he swears that they prayed it into growth and success and vibrancy. Over this last year, some women have prayed this church uh, into, into good places in the midst of all that's going on. I, I, you always hesitate to name names because you, you inevitably leave out a lot of people. But there's this group that's prayed pretty much every day for over a year now. And, uh, and the most consistent and most faithful and the most present at, at the time I'm at is morning prayer uh, is Holly and Jan and Sandy and Francis and Mary, Mary Jo from downtown. Day after day, gathering pray, to celebrate the good things and to cry out to God for those who are sick and suffering, to, to look at so many deaths that have happened this last year and, and to pray on their behalf, receive this person, Lord Jesus. We've prayed for miracles and we've seen them and quite frankly, they have sustained your pastor when he has been exhausted. Donna Thompson and Richard, their team, uh, have, have been gospeling people this year. When we're not supposed to take meals to people, when we're not supposed to gather, when we can't go to the hospital rooms, uh, before I call someone, Donna has called them. Before I text somebody, Richard has texted them. And they have brought the good news that the Lord is risen. And then Pastor Sarah you know, we hired her on like March 11th. Uh, it was the dark times starting. It's, it's, it's getting bad. The, the nursing homes in Seattle are overrun. Uh, in New York, they're setting up field hospitals. Uh, and we, we offer Sarah a job. And she says, let, let, let me come to worship this Sunday and see how things look. We, you know, we've never worshiped at Andover. Um, I said, sure, that's, that's a reasonable request, right? You know what, two days later, the governor says, please don't worship in person. Please find a different way. She and Michael prayed and in faith stepped out and said, uh, having not seen and having not heard, having not met many, uh, we'll do this. And having not met many of our kids and youth in person, she went to front porches and did Zooms. She came to our adult meetings and uh, brought a fresh word of what justice and mercy look like. And frankly, she has sustained me in days where I am weary. 
Somehow God has found that uh, my weary days and Sarah's weary days have not lined up for 13 months. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, the day that that happens, we're calling all y'all and saying pray. Um, <laughs> these women, you, the people of Andover, have gospeled well this year. And the messy Easter kind of gospeling, the I don't know exactly what's going on, things are scary and we know they're not right, but the Lord is risen and his power is available to us. Pandemic is not over. We are no more uh, united in our society around how we should be in terms of race relations. We are uh, terrible in terms of uh, treating people who are on the margins. And yet, we have hope. We live in this cross-shaped moment between resurrection and new creation. We look to Christ's empty tomb, to his resurrected body, to be the source of our hope for our resurrected bodies. When all those people we lost this year, we meet in new bodies. When uh, all those tears we shed this year are met with no more tears and no more sorrow. Lent is over. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. May that be our hope in this Easter season going forward. May it be that which sustains us and drives us. May it be the thing that we go out and tell the world that even as things are not done and as they're not right, that Christ will come again. May we be filled with God's grace in such powerful ways that we are transformed in holy love to love him fully and love our neighbor fully, that we might go forth and literally bring heaven to earth, that in and through us the world might see Christ's faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this year, more than many, we, uh, we can resonate with the messiness of that first Easter morning of discombobulation and disorientation, of worry and fear, of excitement and hope, and of still having a mandate to go and tell. Lord, pour out your spirit on us in abundance and give us your grace and double portion that we might be faithful to go and to tell that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.